Show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivis Galarsev, and it is Wednesday, and it's another week of Champions League action, Americans Abroad action, and a big MLS schedule on Wednesday night. 12 matches. I remember when it used to be there'd be like one or two matches in the middle of the week. Now you get 12 matches. So if you don't have anything going on Wednesday night, there's plenty of MLS to watch and plenty of important matches as the playoffs are fast approaching and teams are fighting for their playoff lives or their playoff qualification lives. And we'll get into that. We'll talk plenty of MLS and we actually have a guest from the MLS world. We have a New York Red Bulls captain, Sean Davis, joining us coming off of the big Derby win over NYCFC. Red Bulls pushing for a playoff spot and I would not have thought they'd be pushing for a playoff spot just a month ago but they've gone 5-0 and 2 and all of a sudden they're only one point out of the playoff positions uh, it was great to catch up with, with Sean Davis we had him on years ago and uh, just to give you the idea last time we had him on he was like a kid on the team or one of the young guys on the team now he's an old man on the Red Bulls with all the teenagers and all the early 20s guys that they have on that team so it's great to catch up with him We'll obviously talk uh, Americans abroad, the players who are balling out, and the players who still aren't playing. We'll talk MLS, talk a little U.S. women's national team. They're back in action in the final matches of the Carly Lloyd era. It's kind of sad. I'm still still a little, a little broken up about that. Carly Lloyd finishing up her career, legendary career. Best women's player of all time. I know some people debate it. She definitely has a strong case. Best big one of the best big game players in the history of the sport, man or woman. But we'll get into that later on. But first, we will kick things off talking Americans abroad and talking Serginio Dest because Serginio Dest is balling. We know what he did against Costa Rica, man of the match with his golazo and with his work on the second goal in the win against Costa Rica, big win. What does he do? He comes He comes back to Barcelona, and he's playing as a winger now. Two straight matches he's played as a winger. He played against Valencia. He had an assist. He had a good game there. And then he followed it up earlier today on Wednesday with a start and a solid showing in a, in a win for them against uh, Dinamo Kiev. An important win for Barcelona. Remember, they started with two losses in their first two group stage matches. And look, they're not out of the trouble just yet. But considering the nightmare of a, of, a, of a season it's been for Barcelona with everything with Messi leaving and the financial problems, so many things going wrong with that team, uh, you know, for them to just get a win and for Serginio Dest to be playing well. I mean, that's if you're if you're an American Barcelona fan, you're feeling a little better today, even though, you know, you're going to see how you feel this weekend because Barcelona plays Real Madrid in the first edition of El Clásico this season. And uh, Serginho Dest is heading into that game in some very good form. And seeing him play on the wing has been interesting because he can definitely do that. He can definitely, you just give him the job of going at people and, and taking people on on the dribble and trying to provide service. He can do that. And, and today, what's interesting is you put him further up the field and it's almost as if he actually contributes more defensively because he he tracks back. He he definitely tracks back, and he he actually I think he had uh, he won thirteen duels today, which is the most on the team. And he still he he had I think eight recoveries, so he was doing the defensive work from that advanced wing position. But he also took people on. I think he he completed all seven of his dribbles. He he, he you know attempted seven dribbles, completed all seven of them, and um, 
he's just playing with a confidence that's just it's just oozing from his game and you see him you can see what he does and we saw it with the US team last week and we're seeing it with Barcelona and hopefully he can continue it all the way into November because the US men's national team absolutely needs it they need him they need that attacking element added to the to the other attacking players that they have and especially now that it's kind of becoming a bit of a question mark if the US men's national team will have Christian Pulisic and Giorena in November because they neither player has recovered yet. Obviously they missed the October qualifiers for the US because they were still injured. And there was that hope coming out of the international break that they would return, that they would be back in action with their teams. And no, they have not returned yet. And the word out of Chelsea camp this week from Thomas Tuchel is that Pulisic has had some setbacks. And that, you know, there's been kind of an issue with him just kind of moving away from no longer having pain in his ankle. And I I can't help but remember the images of him and El Salvador on on that ankle after he injured the ankle, still trying to run around. And it was not a great, not a great move there. And now you just wonder, you know, how much longer is it going to take for him to kind of recover? And according to Tuchel, it sounds like it's pretty close. It sounds like... He's gotten close, and then he's had some pain, and obviously you can't mess around with that stuff. You can't have him play through it and then have him re-injure it or have a situation like that where he ends up missing way more time. And as a U.S., obviously, if you're a U.S. men's national team fan, you just want him back. You want him for the Mexico game. You want Pulisic, you want Reyna, you want them back for the Mexico game. But at this point, there's no guarantee you're going to see either of them. And the good news is, or the consolation in the whole thing is, that you have some options, as you did in October. You have some options in terms of wingers to fill in for them if you can't have them. And obviously, you'd rather have Pulisic and Reyna. But right now, there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee. I know there's been rumblings and rumors about Reyna and can he return? Is he is he having issues with the hamstring um, that are going to require it to, him to be out that much longer? I mean, think about this. It's been, I want to say, six weeks Six weeks now, at least, since he's been injured. And it's still he still hasn't made his way back to training. And it's definitely a cause for concern. Just what's going on there. Is there going to be, is he going to need surgery? And that would obviously rule him out for November for sure. And if it does, it is, it is a positive that there's only two qualifiers in November. And if you have to miss those qualifiers, then after that, you're talking about, you know, hopefully he, he has time to recover. And then come January... You hope that he'll be he'll, he'll be good to go, but as things stands right right now, there's no guarantee we're going to see either of those players against Mexico in Cincinnati in November. Now, obviously, last episode we did t- touch on some of the Americans abroad performances of the weekend because uh, the show was the, the show dropped on Saturday. Uh, we did talk a little about Zach Steffen. He made his first Premier League start. He got the W there, and I, it's been a it's been an interesting week. There's been good and there's been bad. Obviously, the Serginho Dest. Uh, playing well in the win on Wednesday was good. And then you had the bad on Tuesday with Tyler Adams and RB Leipzig. And RB Leipzig, uh, unfortunately for them, they go to Paris. They're playing Paris Saint-Germain. Even though there's no Neymar, you still have Messi, you still have Mbappe. Tall order. What happens, Leipzig was actually winning 2-1, to playing well, looking like they might pull off the upset. And what happens, Tyler Adams turns the ball over, he gets put under pressure, loses the ball, looks like he might have been looking for a foul. No foul came. PSG breaks counterattack, Mbappe to Messi, goal, equalizer. Seven minutes later, Messi penalty, it's over. 3-2, PSG wins. And it's a brutal one for RB Leipzig because obviously they were always a long shot to finish in the top two in a group that has PSG and Man City. That's a given. 
But now you're not even looking like you're going to go to Europa League after this. Uh, with uh, obviously with them suffering that the, the loss that they did to Club Bruges, it's a if Jesse Marsh is you know he's looking at it, he can't be happy at all with with seeing the team play well, but then give it up in the second half. And Tyler Adams, obviously, that's not a great moment for him, but you know he's had good moments before that. He obviously was coming off a good window for the U.S. team, but that that you, you hate to see that that situation. You hate to see that play against PSG and him him have a direct role in basically costing them that result. Hopefully Adams can bounce back from that. And look, he's still one of the most important players for the U.S. men's national team. He obviously was excellent in the October friendlies, and he'll be needed against Mexico. You want him on the field in the starting lineup as your captain, most likely against Mexico. And uh, knock on wood, hopefully he can be there, and hopefully he can put this uh, performance, which was actually, he was playing well. Against PSG up until up until the big mistake, you, you can't ignore the fact that he had that that just terrible blunder that caught, and ended up ultimately costing him the game. But he was playing well up until that point. We know what he can do. There's no questions of him anymore. And people need to always kind of chill out when it comes to you know one bad performance or or a bad you know a couple of performances. And it reminds me of John Brooks and the whole September situation because it definitely feels like a lot of people were quick to kind of write off John Brooks. Oh, man, he was terrible against Canada. He was terrible against Honduras. He shouldn't start anymore for the U.S. national team. And it's like, whoa, settle down. Take it easy. He's not in the best form. He's not in his top form. But he's still very much a starter on this U.S. team. And uh, I know I jumped from Adams to, to, to Brooks. And I don't know if any U.S. fans are necessarily calling for Adams to be benched now because he turned the ball over against PSG. But I'm just kind of trying to put it in a context a little bit that sometimes, you know what, players can have a rough game. They can have a rough couple of games. But you know what, you need to look at the whole body of work, especially when they're an established player and understand that sometimes it happens. It doesn't mean they're no longer they should no longer be your first choice options. So obviously Adams and, and RB Leipzig, if, if there's a consolation in them missing out on Europe, after the group stages, if they don't go to the Europa League, uh, they can focus on the on the Bundesliga. And obviously, Leipzig had a rough start to the season, but they could definitely start to turn, to turn things around. They play Grutha Firth uh, on the in this weekend. Firth is the last place team in the Bundesliga. Julian Green's team, Julian Green, who by the way is, has kind of fallen out of the starting lineup at Firth. So, if you're Leipzig, hopefully you can turn things around. You get that win and start to build some momentum in the in the Bundesliga to get into the top four. Because at the end of the day, it's not great if you crash out of the group stage of the Champions League. But you want to make sure you, you go back to the Champions League next season. And top four is an absolute must for Jesse Marsh. You have to think that, you know what, the, as much leeway as, as Red Bull will give Marsh, as much as you know, I wouldn't expect him to be necessarily in, in danger of losing his job right now. But he definitely needs to get... Leipzig climbing up that that ladder, climbing the standings in the Bundesliga, and hopefully they can start that with a win against Firth this weekend. Now, speaking of Brooks, uh, John Brooks and uh, Wolfsburg, unfortunately for them, suffered a Champions League defeat to Brendan Aronson and Red Bull Salzburg on Wednesday, and a solid performance from Brendan Aronson, who continues to play well and continues to look like the guy who should be and most likely will be in the starting lineup for the United States when they play Mexico. And it's looking more and more like that, as I mentioned earlier, because of the uncertainty surrounding Reyna and Pulisic. And Aronson, the more games he gets under his belt, the more high-level matches like a Champions League match against Wolfsburg in a matchup of two teams that are obviously competing in a tight group for a place in the round of 16, That's those are the kind of games that are going to make you better. 
and you already see it with Aronson. And right now, look, Salzburg, believe it or not, as much, as badly as RB Leipzig is playing in the Champions League, they they're zero and three, three losses. Salzburg is topping the group with Sevilla, Wolfsburg, and Lille. Uh, the win against Wolfsburg has them on seven points now, and they're looking pretty good for potential. I mean, you're halfway there; anything could happen. But right now, Salzburg is looking very good for a place in the round of 16 based on the first half of the group stage. And Aronson's done his part in that group. He's done his part for Salzburg and they're playing with a lot of confidence. And it is kind of crazy when people think of Salzburg and Leipzig and Salzburg's like the feeder team, uh, but Salzburg's look more impressive than Leipzig. And obviously they're not in the same groups and playing Man City PSG is a little different than playing Sevilla and, and Wolfsburg and Lille, but still a lot of credit to Salzburg and a lot of credit to Aronson for continuing to play well. Now, as far as Wolfsburg goes, not a great situation for them. They're on two points now, and they there's going to be that battle between Sevilla and Wolfsburg. Most likely, if Salzburg continues on their run, you have to think they'll be one of the two teams that advances. But then you have Sevilla and Wolfsburg probably battling it out for that other spot in the round of 16. Unfortunately for Tim Weah and Lille, it's been a rough one. The the ha- the league championship hangover has been a real thing, and and it's uh you know when you look at them in league play, they've been terrible in league play. Considering you know they they are the defending champions, they had a nice run, three wins in a row, but then now they just lost again, so they're sitting in eleventh place right now in league. Huh? It's not looking good for them. And then obviously in Champions League, not going great there either. Uh, they're cur- actually they're playing right now against Sevilla. They're tied, but if they don't if they don't get a win against Sevilla on this day on this match day, then you're looking at them trying to hopefully fight for a place in Europa League. Tim Weah is another player that you have to think about as a wing option uh, for the potential absence of Pulisic and Reyna, and I think he obviously showed some good things in the in the October qualifiers. As much as look, Lille is is not been in great form. But Wea, at least now that he was able to overcome that injury from September, he looks like he's gaining confidence. And I think his performance against Costa Rica should give him some more confidence heading into, into November. And you could do a lot worse than having Brendan Aronson and Tim Wea be your starting wingers against Mexico in Cincinnati in November. And obviously Greg Berhalter could always go with a Paul Ariola because, we, we, you know, he's, he obviously turned to the DC United veteran on multiple occasions. So we could still see Aronson Ariola, but Tim way is going to definitely do his part. If he can stay healthy and stay in the form that he's been lately, he will definitely make a strong case for being one of those starters in that game against Mexico. If Reyna and Pulisic are unavailable. Now, we won't get too much into a U.S. men's national team talk this episode, uh, but there was some news on the U.S. youth national team front, and the U.S. under-17 men's national team has named Gonzalo Segaris as their head coach. For those who don't know who he is, Gonzalo Segaris was a former MLS uh, fullback, former longtime Chicago Fire defender, and uh, he was previously working as the U15 coach for the U.S. And now he's moved up, taken the U17 position. Uh, and it is an interesting one to see who, you know, how that next generation of young talent is going to be handled and how they're going to do. Let's not forget that the last time around, the U17 team that went to the World Cup crashed out of the World Cup without a win. Think about who was on that last U17 team. You had Ricardo Pepe, Gio Reyna, Gianluca Busio, Joe Scali. To name a few, I mean, just you go on that alone. All those guys are crushing it. So it, it still amazes me that th- that team was not able to do more in the World Cup. But again, it's always it's always tricky with with youth tournaments. But 
you just wonder what kind of talent is coming in the next wave. And Cigaris, you hear nothing but great things about Cigaris and the transition that he's made from his playing career to now being a coach. And definitely curious to see who are the next uh, teenagers coming in to the pipeline, who are going to be the next players to watch, who are going to jump into the conversation. Because, look, I mean, who would have had, you know, Busio or Scali? Uh, or Pepe, two, you know, two years ago, if you had mentioned those guys as already being factors and possibilities for the men's national team at 18, you probably would have thought, you know, we were crazy. But here we are, and they're all in the picture. And Giorena, I think, is not as much of a surprise as an 18-year-old who's really blossomed. But to have this many 18-year-olds just all really crushing it in their careers this early in their careers is great to see. And I'm very inter- interested to see, can, can we see that? type of talent in the next U-17 group. That's what I'm very curious to see. Now, in the U.S. women's national team front, the U.S. women take on South Korea on Thursday in Kansas City, Kansas, at Children's Mercy Park, and it's the first of two farewell matches for Carly Lloyd. Her final match, knock on wood, will be at Allianz Field in St. Paul, Minnesota next week, also against South Korea. And I'm really hoping that the folks at Children's Mercy Park and the folks at Allianz Field give Carly Lloyd the send-off she deserved. It will be a sad day when she walks away, but we're all lucky to have been able to watch this her, her amazing career and just the winning spirit that she that she showed every time she took the field, especially in the biggest of matches. And you just love to see that. You love to see a player who rises to the occasion when the stakes are the highest because not everyone can do that. That's a very, it's a very, very, very select few who have that intestinal fortitude that have that just magic in their, in them that when, when it's, when the trophy's on the line, they play their best. And that was, that's what was so great about Carly Lloyd. And, She's still playing, and I feel bad even talking about her in the past tense because her career is not over yet, but still, that's what made her great, and that's what we're going to miss, and that's what we're going to have to spend hopefully not too long waiting to see again from another uh, U.S. women's player. And look, there's great players already that have come along that are playing now, Alex Morgan, players who could do it at that high level in those biggest matches. It's just so rare, so rare. Now, moving on to MLS, and obviously the it was a busy weekend in MLS. Uh, we, we didn't touch on it last episode because it dropped just before the full schedule of, of, of matches over the weekend. I was at Red Bull Arena for the New York Red Bulls 1-0 victory over NYCFC. And how about the Red Bulls? They were, um, just a month ago, you would not have even taken them seriously as a potential playoff contender. I certainly wouldn't have. They were so far out of the picture I mean, I want to say they were probably at least 12 points out, maybe, you know, maybe fewer, but they were definitely far out of the picture. But what have they done? They've gone 5-0 and 2 in their past 7, undefeated in their past 7, racking up the points. And now they are exactly 1 point out of the playoff places in the Eastern Conference, and more importantly, they're playing matches. They they have 5 matches left, and of those 5 matches, Four of them are against teams that are above them or near them in the standings. So the Red Bulls do control their own destiny. And then if they win out, if they if or if they can win the majority of these matches against these teams that are either above them or right next to them in the standings, 
they will be in the playoffs, which I can't imagine many people would have expected just a month ago. But credit to them and credit to Gerhard Stuber for the for the job that, that he's done, that, that they've done in this run. And joining us on this episode of the SBI Show, we have New York Red Bulls captain Sean Davis, who's here to talk about his team's run, uh, the young squad that they have, and obviously his transition from being the young guy on the team to now the captain and the old man on the team. And joining us from New Jersey is Red Bulls captain Sean Davis. Sean, welcome to the SBI show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Ives. Thanks for having me. It's been a minute, but happy to be back chatting with you. I know. It's been so long that I think the last time we had you on, you were like the kid. And now (laughs) you are definitely not the kid because it's all like teenagers on the team. Um, Yeah, exactly. I'm the dad now. I'm a dad now (laughs) in a lot of ways. So (laughs) that's right. That's right. So obviously you guys are on a great run. You unbeaten in seven. What's been the key to this kind of turnaround? Because I know in the summer there was that there was that period where there was some, you know, growing pains, some adapting, but then something just seemed to click there. Especially I remember that win against Miami that kind of kicked things off. What what do you think has been the biggest difference now between the Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I'll try to give you a, a short answer, but I'm sure I'll go on a little bit of a rant here. But I think there's a lot of different things at play. Uh, the biggest thing for me is that we have uh, a lot of new players. You know, we had a, a, a lot of roster turnover heading into the year. Um, and we also had a new coaching staff. And so it takes time for things to gel. And we actually did have a, a decent run at the start of the season. But, um, you know, we hit a, a, a period where it's really tough. And, you know, the combination of of injuries, which every team deals with, um, but also just being a young team that uh, needed to go through some adversity uh, and had to really learn quickly what it takes to to win in this league. I think that's what we saw in the summer. And, you know, looking at where we are now, I just feel like we've matured a lot and we've uh, all grown, you know, staff, players. And in a lot of ways, we've just found a way to all grow up together. Um, we, we've figured out what makes... Um, you know, our team different and, and good in, in a lot of different ways. And, uh, you know, ultimately we've just been a really hard team to play against. And we had always been close. I felt like, you know, we've always had uh, strong performances um, in a lot of ways, defensively, especially. Um, but it was all about trying to close out those games and we were blowing a lot of leads and, and we did blow a lot of leads this, this year. Uh, that's just the honest truth. You know, the amount of points that we've dropped from winning positions is, uh, is tough to look at. And, you know, it was just a matter of time, in my opinion, for things to finally click. And, you know, we bottomed out against uh, Columbus. That was a really tough game away at Columbus where, again, we had the lead and we ended up losing uh, 2-1. But like you mentioned, we had a strong performance against Miami, Um, you know, a convincing win uh, where we scored four goals, kept the shutout. And, yeah, they got a red card, but it was just a really strong performance. And I think from there, uh, you know, we've, we've gained a lot of momentum and, you know, I think at, it feels great to hit, um, hit our stride at this point in the season, but we're cutting it close and we know that we have to win pretty much every game from here on out. That's the goal at least. And, um, you know, for the most part, it's in our hands. It's not going to be easy, but, uh, I think, you know, long story short, the adversity we went through as a team was, was really character building, especially for, new guys on the team for a new staff and uh, you know, again, figuring out what it takes in this league. And, and that's ultimately helped us become the team we are now. And we just have to keep moving in the right direction and honestly just keep winning. That's the most important thing. 
No, obviously, when when Aaron uh, goes down with the injury back in May, I I, seem, I remember that happening and thinking like he's so important to what you guys do, mm-hmm. not just on the field, but just kind of being the leader. Uh, when that happens, I mean, do you, do you kind of realize, do you take it upon yourself? I mean, obviously as a captain, you, you already yeah. kind of have a leadership role, but did you look at that and say, Oh, like, you know, one of our veterans is down, like, you know, I'm gonna have to pick up even more of the slack yeah. in terms of this young team. For sure. Um, you know, when Aaron went down, it was, it was hard. I mean, I can't imagine how hard it is for him. You know, we, t- we don't really talk about it that deeply, but I, I know it's been tough for him, but he's worked so hard. Uh, the amount of time and energy that he's put into his rehab has been really impressive. And, you know, I know he'll, he'll be okay because his mentality is so strong. Uh, but when that happened, uh, you know, for sure, the first thing I thought of is missing him on the field. And, you know, some of my best memories of my career have been with him and winning games alongside and just knowing that he's back there anchoring our, our defense. And, you know, I know I feel that way. And I'm sure all the players on the national team feel the same way. You know, he's such a big, big time player and he'll be back and he'll be stronger. And, uh, you know, I've been really impressed with re- with his rehab. But for sure, when he went down, you know, we already had a really young team as it was. And, uh, you know, in talking with Gerhard and the staff before the season, we knew how important veteran leadership was going to be. And so to lose a guy like Aaron was really tough. But, you know, for me, uh, I had to refocus quickly and just saw it as an opportunity to try to be the best leader I could possibly be, you know, regardless of what's thrown our way as a team, we want to be able to step up and perform. And so uh, it was tough during that, that summer lull, uh, but it's been a really good challenge for me and something that, uh, you know, I think has helped my growth as a, not only player, but a leader. And, um, you know, I know that again, he'll be back, but um, it's definitely pushed our team in ways that we couldn't imagine at the beginning of the year. And we've missed him a lot, but it's great to see him back, you know, working uh, at the facility. And I'm sure it's been tough for him being away from the guys and the team, but he's back with us uh, a decent amount now and he's training and he's looking really sharp. So I'm happy for for him and his comeback. And, you know, he's going to be more than fine. Now you've played for a few different coaches over your is it seven years I think in the league now. Yeah. Uh, Gerhard obviously new new coaches uh, coming over from from Europe or from outside the league. It's not always an easy transition, uh, and something that's kind of struck me about him. He se- like his he seems like a pretty patient. Like he understands that it's not that it's a it's a project and and it's going to take time with a young group. But what's impressed you the most just about him uh, as a coach? Yeah, uh, you know you talked about coming into a new league. Well that's another part of uh, our team that that adjustment period we needed to go through. MLS is such a complex league and it's hard for people on the outside to realize that you really can't understand it until you're thrown into the fire. And I think we saw that, um, you know, when you have a lot of young guys and and they're trying to experience this and you have international guys, you're trying to get acclimated to the group. Uh, But, you know, the thing that's impressed me most about Gerhard is, you know, I think just his ability to connect with the players and motivate the players, um, you know, he's able, you know, I even remember when we played Columbus in the playoffs last year, he had barely been our coach for a week and already we were having deep discussions about what motivated each of us. And, uh, you know, I think with Gerhard, he's able to kind of peel back layers on guys and find out you know, who they are, uh, you know, not only as a player, but more importantly, as a person and connect with, connect with us in that regard. And, uh, you know, when a coach does that, you feel a a true, a true connection that you can't really fake. And 
uh, I think in turn that creates a group that's uh, really together. I know I'm sure any fans listening have heard that term a lot this year, togetherness. Um, but I think that Gerhard does a really good job of, um, you know, understanding the players, but also understanding them as people. And in turn, you get players that really want to fight and scrap for the coach. And I think that that's what we've seen during this run is so many guys just finding that next gear and, you know, whether that's for themselves or for the team, but Gerhard brings that out of uh, guys and, um, you know, just his, you know, from his pregame speeches to, um, you know, his in-game adjustments and, you know, his halftime talks. I think that's all really helpful in motivating guys. And especially during a run like this, finding a way to get guys up every single game is, is really important, especially when we're going through stretches where there's a lot of midweek games and the schedule's congested, you know, you have to, and with the way that we play, you know, it requires energy and focus uh, at a higher level than maybe some other teams require just because of the amount of running and pressing that we do as a group and how important it is to all be in sync, you know? And I think that Gerhard just finds that ability to bring out the most energy in guys and uh, guys really love playing for him. And you, you mentioned the fans a, a little bit ago and it's been an interesting season from, from the standpoint of, of Red Bulls fans. And obviously I've covered the team for more than 20 years now. And, and there was definitely some frustrations at certain points in the season from, from the fan base, just for, because of the sense that is this a rebuilding year? Why are we going through a rebuilding year? Mm-hmm. I know you've been around forever too. So you kind of, I'm sure you get that sense. And I still, I, I'll, I'll never forget that, that first NYCFC game that had the late, uh, the late equalizer yeah. on the penalty mm-hmm. and the fans were already putting out a banner kind of like, you know, I forget, I don't even remember what it said now. I remember it was not good enough. I think was what it says. And yep. there's just that frustration at the idea of, you know, here's a team that won support. Porter Shields not too long ago was that close to winning that first or contending for that first MLS Cup. And now here we are in what feels like a rebuilding year. What, what do you think about that that yeah. idea and fans dealing with that frustration? Obviously winning helps and this this unbeaten streak has definitely calmed nerves a bit. But uh, what, do you, what do you say to fans who are kind of maybe, you know, after tw- more than 20 years of waiting are kind of tired of the, the whole idea of yeah. rebuilding? Yeah, yeah. Um... You know, first thing I'll say is that I think for a team that's a little bit on the younger side, it's been an eye-opening year uh, in that regard for for players to see that sometimes the fans aren't happy with the performances. And, um, you know, that's important to talk to the guys and for them to understand what the standard of the club is and what's expected of us um, here. And there's a lot of guys that are just joining the team. So it's not fair for those guys to fully grasp that and you know, you have to go through difficult uh, experiences like that where the fans aren't happy. And, um, you know, honestly, I, I can understand that. Uh, I can understand where they're coming from. They pay their money. Um, they support the team. And when they're frustrated to me, uh, you know, on, on one hand, you could say, come on, can you support us? You know, I think that's what, um, you know, some players might think at some point. But it's it's also to me, it just shows how much they care. And, you know, the fans care, the media cares. And, you know, we all want what's best for the club and we all want to win. That's that's the the bottom line. And I think that we're getting that during this stretch, how great it is to to win at Red Bull Arena. Um, there's there's really no better feeling than walking off that field with three points. And, um, you know, that's the standard that we all want. And as players, we know uh, that we have to make the playoffs and that we have to, um, you know, be a successful team in that regard. And that's going to be really important for the years going forward. And I think it's just a great experience for, for younger guys to go through because ultimately it makes them better. It makes them tougher. 
And again, it, it's great for the culture of the club to know that it's important to win here. Now, as far as the NYCFC goes, uh, you played them three times in, in the past month. And that, that seems like a pretty congested number of times to face your rival. Obviously, there was the rain out um, and everything. But it's crazy to think they had a 12-point lead on you guys a month ago. Right. And the 12-point yeah. lead disappeared. What, what did, how important was this stretch of games against them? And, and what, is it, what, is, what do you think it's done for, for not only the team, but also maybe the fans to basically sweep them? I mean, you didn't go 3-0, and but you didn't, you didn't lose yeah. any. You won two, you tied one. How important is that, was that stretch for you guys, to, especially to beat them when they were kind of, you know, you know set up shop at, at Red Bull Arena, which was weird in its own way. But how important yeah. was it to get those wins against, against NYCFC? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it. you mentioned playing them in such a short amount of time. And I think that it worked in, in our favor just because we were desperate for, for points, um, you know, and we needed to win these games and we saw it as a great opportunity to, to go on a run. And so, um, yeah, they were up uh, by quite a few points at, at one point. And it just shows you how entertaining of a league MLS can be, you know, in, in such a short period of time. Now look at this playoff race that we're in. And, uh, you know, I think, again, the guys just were up for the task. And, again, talking about Gerhard and how he can inspire and motivate guys, it's the perfect time when the schedule is congested, when you're playing teams and you have to turn around quickly um, and you're playing them back-to-back. You know, I, I actually think that that worked in our favor. And the guys were just so up for it, so motivated at that point in the season. And, again, we went through so many tough moments that um, – you know, really forced us to grow up. And that helped us, especially uh, during this past month and has allowed us to go on on a run. But, uh, you know, for us, we have to continue to be humble. We have to continue to to get the results because uh, it's important for us to finish this year the right way and, and get into the playoffs. That's obviously what we're all thinking about. And we've put in so much hard work that you really just have to reset after each game and um, you know, find a way to get the three points the next game. And it's all about that next game at this point in the season. And I feel like we've been in our playoffs uh, for the past month and we've really had our backs up against the wall and it's been impressive how we've responded, but we have to keep going. And obviously there's a lot of young, young players on this team. And uh, I'm not going to ask you who, who do you think who's <laughs> the best of these young players, but yeah. who's impressed you the most or who maybe surprised you with how they've kind of, you know, emerged out of this season because you have so many, I mean, whether it's teenagers or even, you know, younger guys and or you have guys like Guten who's kind of young but looks 35, but, you know, you have you have a couple of those guys. I mean, what, what, who, what, which of the young guys has impressed you the most? Yeah, I can't wait to tell Andrew about that <laughs> comment. But, yeah, it's, you know, I'll start by saying this. I'm going to feel bad because I could, there's so many impressive young guys on our team, right? Sure. And I'm sure For I'm sure. going to leave Surprise. That's why but, I say surprise because there's got to be someone that yeah, maybe now like yeah. went, went way ahead of what you maybe you ever thought they would like what, at the beginning of the year you would have expected. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I guess the biggest surprise um, would be a guy like Wiki, right? He's he's a really young guy. He came into the system um, for the first time this year. I think he was 17 when he joined us, and it's been great to see him contribute at a first team level for a guy that I'm sure they might have been penciling in as getting USL uh, minutes, but that's definitely been a, a pleasant surprise, but I'll try to go around the horn quickly. I think over this past stretch, it's been really exciting to see Omir step into the lineup and just be able to thrive. And, you know, he brings something different to uh, our attack and he's a guy that 
has the Red Bull principles, but he also has some flair and he's able to dribble and beat guys on the dribble and create some great opportunities and different looks for us. So it's, it's no surprise to me that it's coincided with our success um, this last, you know, month, month and a half. A uh, guy like Christian, I mean, he seems like a veteran now, right? But he gets off the plane from um, international duty where maybe he didn't play as much as he wanted to. And then he just has a huge game for us against uh, New York City um, this past weekend. Scores a goal, but does so much on both sides of the ball for us that game and really helps will our team to, to victory. Um, let's see. You got John to- Tolkien. Tolkien. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tolkien, homegrown guy. So again, special place in, in my heart for him. But he's a guy that, again, we, you have a guy like Andrew come in and he's taking up a large majority of the minutes and you just never know what's going to happen. And unfortunately, Aaron, uh, Andrew gets injured and it creates a great opportunity for Jamai and he has success at left back, center mid. And yeah, again, a, a really young guy, but uh, a guy that shows up every day with the right energy and always wants to learn he's he can run all day he's technical he can fight and so uh that's been great to see guy like Caden um you know who had a lot of success for us and started the year uh even last year when he he joined our team and he has an x factor instincts are unbelievable around the goal and he's just a really smart player with a, a big future. So I don't know if you want to hear about any other players. But <laughs> well, well, again, Kyle, du- Kyle yeah. Duncan's another one. Well, I'm glad you yeah, mentioned. Again. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Caden though, because obviously he hasn't been playing as much lately. There were mm-hmm. so many expectations surrounding him, and and I'll be sure when I talk to Gerhard, I'll ask him the the questions <laughs> about Caden. But since you brought him up as a, as a as a captain, I mean, when you have a situation like that where there's obviously a young player who's not playing as much, I mean, do you kind of try to talk to those young guys because it's not always easy especially someone like him with those expectations mm-hmm. and pe- and people go crazy yeah. oh. people were going crazy about him in the summer and the spring yeah you know he should I be with the imagine. national team he should be starting for the national team. It, it happens so fast but as exactly. a captain as a captain do you kind of try to take take someone like him aside and you know yeah try to- for sure and kate and i kate and i sit next to each other in the locker room and we've had a lot of talks and uh, you know, he doesn't have a issue talking about things and giving his opinion and also getting feedback. And so it's been great to see him develop. And I think this has been, in my opinion, such a great year for him because he hit the ground running last year, of course, and he's helped us a lot this year as well. Um, but yeah, he hasn't been playing as much right now, but his work ethic has been amazing. He's been training really well. And despite not playing, he's had a really good attitude, really good mentality, Um, and I think that sets him up really well for the long term. And he's going to look back on maybe this stretch of games where he's not playing as much and he's going to be thankful he went through this. And to be honest, I can't relate when I was his age, I was, you know, getting ready to go to college and now (laughs) he has all these expectations like you talked about and he's a great player and he'll be, he'll be fine. But, um, it's really good to go through those experiences. And when I look back on my career, some of the best moments for me as a player were some of the toughest moments when I wasn't playing, when I got benched. And, um, you know, those are messages that I tried to relay to him. And it's not always easy when you're in the moment and you're not playing and you maybe you're sitting on this, on the bench thinking, man, I could be on that field helping this team, or you don't always agree with the, um, amount of playing time you're getting. I've been there, but I haven't been there at that age. And it's been impressive to see how he's trained and how he showed up every single day. Um, and, and just continue to try to improve. And, um, you know, he's definitely mature for his age. So uh, he'll be fine. And, you know, I know that, again, that's kind of a long-winded answer, right. but it's been, I've tried my best to to help him and 
he knows that he can always talk to me and, and he can talk to all the older guys and he can talk to the staff. We have a very open locker room and he's, he's been able to talk to the staff too. So it's, um, you know, I think it's a really great environment for young players. When Speaking of young players, just in general, it's funny that you mentioned the, the fact that you were at Duke at, at this age. There's so many teenagers mm-hmm. playing in MLS now where that wasn't a thing, you know, even five years ago. Uh, when you look at, at, at the players around the league now, 18-year-old, 17-year-old, mm-hmm. is it just, what's different? I mean, obviously, the, you know, they're, they're developing yeah. at a younger age, but it just seems like mentality-wise, you're seeing these teenagers have, 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 much more of a I don't want to say killer instinct but there's just more of a swagger to them uh, fearless yeah. fearlessness to them than maybe you know teenagers five ten years ago yeah I'll, I'll start there uh I think that's a really good point like when I think about my role as a captain you know I'm always trying to get the balance right of you know coaching players and giving them uh honest feedback and at the same time letting them be themselves and be free and especially younger players like I think one of the things um, that you see a lot is that they're just fearless out there on the field. And, and you touched on it with all these guys around the league. And, you know, I was talking to my agent about how, how much the landscape has changed since I joined the league. And this league is growing so quickly that, um, you know, the trend changes. And I was thinking about if I was their age, would I be able to make it, um, you know, at the professional level? Because I, went, I ended up having to go to Duke. I needed more time. And fortunately I was given a chance, but I, at the time I was 22, that was my first year as a pro. And now that's old. So it's been interesting to see how this has all evolved. And, you know, I couldn't be more excited about the future of the, not only the league, but also us soccer. I love watching the national team and seeing these young guys step up and do really well. And obviously seeing a guy like Tyler step in and be the captain. And, um, you know, I just think that's the direction we're heading uh, towards uh, in, in terms of the league and us and, uh, it's been a lot of fun, and especially at a place like Red Bull, where you see homegrown players, you see players brought in from different countries, young, exciting talents. And, uh, you know, I think that's the future of not only our club, but the league. And uh, it's fun to see these players progress and then go have a career in Europe and come back with the national team and succeed. And um, it's just a really exciting time to be part of soccer in America. Who's, who's been the be- uh, the most impressive young American for you, uh, non Red Bull player that you fit, that you've gone up against this year? Is there anyone? Yeah, that going is- up against. I mean, uh, you know, my first the first thought that came to my head, and um, you know, it, it would have to be Pep B, but I haven't played against him. But to see what he's been able to bring to the national team in a really big moment, again, that's the fearlessness that uh, you know I'm I'm always talking about, and uh, that's something that we have to continue to to tap into with the younger players and allow them to express themselves because they can create some really special moments. And I've seen that with, um, Red Bull, but yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to go around the league. There's so many, uh, so no one, pop, no one popped in your head. No one, right. No one, uh, wouldn't no, be, not right away. Not yeah. right away. I yeah, guess I'm fair. so focused a, on the, on the younger guys on my team. That right. it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, hard to <laughs> You've got enough. You've it's, got enough it's like, yeah, you know, we're playing young players on other teams, but are they as young as some of the guys on my team, you know? So I don't No one pops into my head right now, but um, yeah, it's, it's been really fun to watch the league grow over these last few years. Now, obviously just to wrap things up, you, I was, the, the season's wrapping up the regular season. And as you say, you, you, you don't have much room for error. You have to, you know, 
try to yeah. get as many points down the stretch to to lock up a playoff spot. What what do you think is going to be the key to keep keep this going? I mean, obviously some some tough games coming up, some tough opponents. What's what, what do you yeah. how, how are you feeling about this being able to continue that momentum? Yeah, for sure. I think like uh, you know what we have five games left now, and you know I know Gerhard and the staff are already brainstorming ways that um, you know we're going to talk about things and talk about our, uh, you know, plan of attack and talk about our personal motivation triggers as we go forward here and inspire us like he did with Barnsley, you know, in, in his um, previous coaching role. But, uh, you know, I think the key to us is, is like I mentioned earlier, staying humble, understanding that we cannot be complacent or comfortable and that, you know, we've looked at every game as a final and, and that's worked well for us, you know, having that mentality that it's not enough that we just beat New York City we have to do it again this weekend against Columbus. And we have to do it again after that. And, and not looking too far ahead, being present in each and every game and knowing that it's a huge opportunity. I mean, in a lot of ways, we're really blessed with the schedule because we're playing teams that are above us. So again, when I mentioned, um, you know, having things in our hands, we're playing the right teams at the right time and we're in good form and we have to capitalize on that. We've, we've created a great opportunity for us, but um you know, the most important thing is getting the job done. And I think that's where the focus of the group right is right now. And I'm hoping that with all the adversity that we've gone through, all the challenges, all the obstacles, it's prepared us for this uh, final stretch in the season. And, you know, I couldn't be more excited. I wish the game was, was tonight, you know? Right, right. Well, I definitely appreciate the time and uh, congrats on this run and, and good luck down the stretch. And hopefully we can we can get you back on again and not have to wait so long and we can talk some playoffs once you guys are in there. So, so you can get in <laughs> Sounds there. good. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. And yeah, hopefully we're talking about the playoffs here soon. And that's Sean Davis, obviously, uh, you know, I, I like to call him a long time, long time friend of the show. We had him on years ago and uh, he, he's a Jersey guy. So, of course, you know, we, we like to have our Jersey guys on the show. And it's been great to see him develop into that leader on that team. And and they need it. A team that young and that talented if they're going to succeed, it's going part of it's going to be good coaching and part of it's going to be leadership from the veterans in that locker room. And Sean is definitely one of those. And we'll see. We'll see if they can continue this run. They, they have a bit of a tougher schedule down the stretch than they've had in the in the previous month. But momentum means everything at this time of the year. And the Red Bulls have it. And we'll see if they can keep it going. And the Red Bulls are one of the few teams not in action on this Wednesday night. There are 12 matches on the schedule, which means 24 of the league's 27 teams will be playing on this Wednesday night. Plenty of playoff implications on the line in these. And I didn't go over all the matches over the weekend, but I'll try to touch on some of them looking ahead into the Wednesday night matches. I know it's not, I know it's a bit of a quick turnaround. So if you're listening to this after the Wednesday night matches, my apologies to you, but hopefully if you're a listener, you're listening to this episode immediately after it drops. So you can get some betting tips on these Wednesday night matches, but we're going to rattle through the first Atlanta United at home against NYCFC. NYCFC is in a major slump. They've, they've got one win in their past nine. Now they have to go to Atlanta to play an Atlanta team that's in good form. Atlanta plus 145. Take Atlanta all day. They're at home. They're feeling good. NYCFC's in a slump. Take Atlanta plus 145. Next up, FC Cincinnati at home against the Chicago Fire. Cincinnati plus 160. They are a slight underdog to the Chicago Fire who are plus 140. I know the Fire have not been good at on the road this year, but... They've obviously they had a coaching change. They've started to show a bit more life here down the stretch. I see the fire getting the road win. Take Chicago at plus one forty. I think the fire are going to do it in Cincinnati. 
Next up, DC United at home against New England. I say it every time. DC United, very good at home. And obviously Vegas understands that, which is why DC is a plus 100 favorite against New England. Against, you know, the soon to be Supporters Shield champions, Supporters Shield winners. But New England is a plus 220. So that feels a little bit of a. I don't know. That's a lot. That that feels a little disrespectful for me. I'm going to take New England. If you're telling me I have a chance to take New England at plus two twenty, unless they're resting their entire starting lineup, I like New England to go to DC. And this, if you're looking for a draw to bet, plus two fifty for this one could absolutely be a draw. But I like New England at plus two twenty. That I can't pass that. I can't pass that up. I don't know why New England's a plus two twenty, but give me. New England all day at plus 220. Next up, Inter-Miami at home against Toronto FC. Miami plus 125. Obviously, they've been in a slump that's completely uh, cost them whatever momentum they gained just a month or so ago. They've kind of faded out of the playoff picture, but can they get a win against Toronto? And I'm going to go with no, because I think even though Toronto's got some injury issues of their own, they've been playing much better. They're going to play the role of spoiler. Miami... At home, they found a, they have found a way to get results more often than not at home. But I don't know. I think I like TFC. Give me TFC at plus 190 on the road, playing spoiler. Next up, Orlando City at home against CF Montreal. And I don't know why Montreal is a plus 290. That's a big, big number for a team that's still technically in playoff position. And you know what? I like Orlando at home, and that's that's got to be why Vegas likes likes Orlando at home quite a bit. Orlando minus one fifteen. It's not it's not the juiciest of numbers, but if you're feeling good about Orlando at home, take Orlando. I'll go with Orlando at minus one fifteen. Next up, FC Dallas against LAFC. They're at home in Frisco, plus one fifty five. LAFC is in desperate need of points to climb back into the playoff position. In the Western Conference, they're currently, I believe, four points out of the playoff picture. They have to win this game. And seeing as how they have to win this game, I like their chances against the younger FC Dallas team. FC Dallas definitely has the weapons to play spoiler, but I'm going to go with LAFC. Give me LAFC at plus 140 over Dallas, which is plus... FC Dallas is plus 155. If you like that number, that's not a terrible price, but I'm going to go LAFC. I just think LAFC is going to get it done. Next up, Minnesota United at home against the Philadelphia Union. Philly's a plus 230. As we know, Eastern Conference teams don't always travel well on the road going that far west. Minnesota Dash really needs this one. They're at home. They finally got to win their last time out. So is that going to be the momentum builder for them? Minnesota plus 100. I don't like this game. I mean, you should just pick Minnesota, right? Because they're at home, but I don't know. I feel like the Union absolutely could take this one on the road. Plus 230. Philly plus 230. You know what? I'm going to go with Philly at plus 230. I just like that price. I just think that's a pretty good price for a very good team. So I'm going to go Union plus 230. Next up, Houston Dynamo against the LA Galaxy. The Dynamo coming off the win against the shorthand in Seattle. Are they building some momentum for a strong finish to the regular season? Even though they're technically, as of right now, they're technically still alive for a playoff place. But look, it, it would take an absolute miracle for them to make the playoffs, even if they went out. But... Will they stop LA Galaxy? The LA Galaxy are plus 180, so they are the underdogs going into Houston. They finally got a win. They finally snapped their recent uh, winless streak. So maybe Greg Vanny's team is, can start to heat up now that they absolutely have to to get to maintain their playoff position. Uh, I'm going to, you know what? This is a tough one because Houston is Houston is playing like that kind of carefree look. We, we know we're not probably not making playoffs. 
there's not that pressure on us. Let's let's just play. So they're playing. I feel like they're playing better now than they were even just a few weeks ago. But LA Galaxy in desperation mode. Give me the Galaxy at plus one eighty. I like that number. Next up, now this is this one's a tricky one. Nashville SC, strong strong home team. They've only lost what four times all year. So they are minus one fifty at home against the Columbus Crew, and the Columbus Crew are at plus. 410. That is a huge number. And I get it, right? Nashville's only loss. Nashville has what? Four losses all year. So you can understand why, you know, the, the, it, it might seem a little crazy. Actually, my my mistake, Nashville's only lost three times all year. Three times out of 29. They have not lost at home all year. They've won eight and tied seven. So if you're, if you're talking about a team that's only lost three times all year, has not lost at home all year, why in the world would you bet for them to lose at home finally, right? Why? Why? Because this is MLS. That's why. And because this is the exact kind of game where you see the result that's the surprise. And I tell you what, Columbus Crew at plus 410, I am jumping all over it. And I know I have lost plenty of bets on Columbus this season. But they have started to show more lately. They've started to look a bit more like the MLS Cup title contender. I'm sorry, the MLS Cup reigning MLS Cup champion. They've looked a little bit more like that lately, and I think they could do it. For, for At 4 plus 10, I don't mind taking that chance. Give me the crew plus 410 in Nashville. I know you're going to think I'm crazy, and no, don't take my advice. There's plenty of other games to play around with. That one is absolutely a risky one, but I like Columbus. If, you like the, if you're looking for a long shot, Columbus at 410 is a great price. Next up, Colorado Rapids at home against Seattle. And look, we know the, the, the Rapids are coming off the lost RSL. They're going to look to regroup. They're playing a Sounders team that is obviously missing some key, key players. And the Rapids have been good at home. So I, the Rapids, I actually like this one, even though Seattle being plus 270 just seems crazy to me. But again, they're missing key players. They're on the road. And the Sounders are the best road team in the league. So the, the whole being on the road thing is, isn't as, as big a factor as, as it would be for some other teams. But the altitude, Colorado needing this win, I'm going to go with the Rapids at minus 115. Now, if you tell me Rui Diaz and Lodero magically are healthy and ready to go and play in this game, I'm taking the Sounders. But my understanding is no, they're not. So that being the case, give me the Rapids minus 115. The last two matches of the night, Portland Timbers at home against Vancouver. Portland minus 105 at home. Give me the Timbers. I know the White Cats have been playing better. I know they have the pressure of the playoffs, and they're right on the doorstep of getting into the playoffs, so they, you know, they're going to play with that desperation. I'm sorry, I'm still taking the Timbers at Providence Park in the Cascadia Derby. Give me the Timbers at minus 105. Last but certainly not least, or maybe least, because these are two teams that are not in the playoffs. San Jose at home against Austin FC. San Jose minus 130. Austin plus 280. Give me the earthquakes all day. Austin at, at away from home has been just terrible. And San Jose, we've seen all year. They, they show at times. They show quality. They show that they can play great, but there's not enough consistency there. I think San Jose gets it done, and I think they win comfortably over Austin FC. 
Well, I think that's it. That wraps it up for this episode of the SBI show. And I definitely want to thank Sean Davis for joining us. Uh, I do, as I've said, I do want to get into that rhythm of starting get, uh, having guests again. And we will start to do that uh, more regularly for sure. And not just MLS players. We'll have players, obviously, Americans abroad as well. We'll get some coaches on, uh, try to just get into that rhythm of having guests on uh, because I definitely miss it. I miss having, you know, doing those kind of regular interviews. So we will make that once again part of the show. So it's good to just have Sean on, and we'll obviously see who we have on for the next one. Uh, some big matches this weekend, for sure, in MLS, and then you have some Americans Abroad players playing in some big matches as well. But that's all for now. Look out for the next episode on, I want to say Friday. It could be Saturday morning. I'm shooting for Friday. Hopefully we can get it done on Friday. But I think that's it. I think I've touched on everything that there is to touch on. But that's it. Uh, Definitely thank you for listening as always. And if you have a comment, you have a question, feel free to drop it. Send it to me on Twitter at Sacrabaivis. If you want to drop it in the comment section on SBI. And if you want to leave a review on the Apple podcast app, that'd be great as well. Give me some feedback. Um, I do. I am trying to get into that that regular rhythm of things back with the show because it's fun. It's fun to do. It's a little bit more of a pain to produce, but... In the end, I definitely enjoy uh, having these shows be regular, regularly scheduled again and trying to do two a week at least. So hopefully we can keep that going. But uh, once again, definitely thank you for listening. As always, I'm Ivis Galarset. This is the SBI Show.